This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We are still efforting Alex Smith. We'll let you know if we find him. Hopefully he's okay. Be fun to talk to him at some point. But, you know, that's the thing. These these guys, they got a lot going on, and interviewing with us is not nearly as important as what they've got going through the rest of their day. So, Well, you may say that in kind of a, a wiseacre type of way, Bob, but it's true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, that's not sarcasm. It's, it's uh, you know, we you book people sometimes, you know, like, yeah, I can't wait to talk to this guy. Meanwhile, they've got 10 things on their calendar and they're, they they forget all the time. I just got a mean text from him. He said, I'd rather break my leg again in grotesque fashion than talk to Wyman and Bob. Wow. Oh, jeez. No, I haven't. Is it Friday? Oh, you're kidding. That was a joke? Oh, jeez. Why did he get so bitter? We were pumping him up. (laughs) We were pumping him up. Come on, man. So we're uh, we're still efforting Alex Smith. We'll let you know, obviously. You'll know if we are able to track him down. In the meantime, let's get to best of the rest. We know you love listening to us, but there are great discussions happening all over our station. I need more Jake Bobo. I need more of them. Because Jake Bobo is objectively fun to say. Yeah, I'm just not good at bats. Let's turn it down. It's time for the best of the rest. How dare you? <laughs> best of the rest. We take a listen to some of the other conversations happening with Bump and Stacy and Brock and Salk and weigh in on those. Determine who's right, who's wrong. Usually we're right and they're wrong. Uh, if there's a differing opinion there is how I see it. But uh, we're right and, and they're, they're wrong. If we yeah, disagree yeah. with their take. Hey, have you noticed <laughs> that uh, all the coverage um, on the NFL, whether it's NFL Network or ESPN, it looks like they're in Arizona. I mean, I would have thought, hey, they're in Vegas. They would have in the background like the Strip or or whatever. Well, they've got them staying way off the Strip so as to not entice them. Yeah, we stayed there when we played uh, Vegas in the preseason a couple of years ago. It's like an hour outside of Las Vegas. Good. That's on purpose. It's a shame you'd have to do that. Like you'd hope everybody in that room understands what's at stake. It's whatever night of drinking you've got planned is not worth what ult- that ultimate prize that you may never get back here again. I shouldn't even have to tell you this, but you better take this as a business. So we'll get into some of that conversation later with Patrick Mahomes, something he did that I thought was cool. But uh, Brock and Salk were talking uh, yesterday Talking about, they were outlining is the the options as they see it that the Seahawks have at the quarterback position. And they kind of have, let's call it four choices. You can do nothing, right? Build around for another year with Geno and draft them the line of scrimmage and try to get better there. Mm-hmm. You can keep Geno, but make him the bridge to somebody that you draft or acquire this offseason. You can cut Geno and draft his successor this year in the draft or acquire his successor somewhere. And then I guess there's sort of a fourth where you could cut Geno, sign Drew Locke for less, and then try to go out. But I'm not sure. I think that kind of is a wash when it comes to the dead money and all of that. So I'm not sure you actually make any any progress on the, uh, on the mm-hmm. whole cap thing if you mm-hmm. do that. But where are you at? And this was a little bit of your Twitter poll yesterday. And I think the the majority of the audience is probably aligned with you and I on this. I'm sorry we don't disagree on this one, Kyle. I'm so sorry that we can't fight over this specific quarterback. That was my um, Spit sorry, it out, bro. You and Shanahan. Specific Jeez, what's going on quarterback with you? conversation here. But you're keeping Gino around. 
at, at, at this number. The, the position is too valuable. Much the same way that Mike McDonald has brought in a Leslie Frazier and brought in some experience around him and will continue to do so as he rounds out this staff because he knows you, you know, there's no substitute for that kind of experience. And a first-time head coach, I don't think you want to come in here, especially one that's got a little bit of a defensive mind. I know that it's you know chasing every edge, offense, defense, special teams. It's all in one. But I don't really like any of those other options. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm curious about, <clears throat> and I understand there's that date coming up. What is it, the 16th, right? February 16th? Mm-hmm. What are we at today? The 7th. Uh, so nine days. You got nine days until that portion of his contract becomes guaranteed. That to me is the only thing that should be the conversation around Gino right now. I don't I don't understand what why there's an urgency from some. We got a text from the four two five. Until the Hawks upgrade at the quarterback position, nothing really matters. Thinking what in watching this team last year, was the quarterback play holding them back? Should they had they had uh, a better, I'm not going to say if you had Mahomes, obviously you feel like that level of quarterback makes any team better, but how much better? Because the biggest problem with this team was defense by a long shot. And then they weren't great offensively. We talked about going through all the categories on, on both sides of the ball and they weren't great anywhere, but defense, they were bad offense. They were sort of just middling. So I, I just don't understand how you come out of a season like that, where the defense was as, as poor as, as they were and you look and go, well, the quarterback was a disaster, which he was not. Gino, as you said it earlier, we've been saying it. He's a good quarterback. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But he's not being paid like them either. No, and he's not He's not hurting you in my estimation. And this is coming from the, one of the bigger Gino skeptics out there. I'll d- remind you, I was calling him duct tape. You know, I was dead wrong going into not last season, but the season before when he took over. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's him or Drew because they're both duct tape until they get their guy. They're just holding that spot. And in a sense, that's kind of what we're talking about with him. You, you got a guy you know that you trust. He can win games. Things need to be right for him, obviously. But he's he's a guy that is that bridge. Whether you draft somebody this year and you let them develop under Geno for this season and next season, or or you know you you want to sign somebody from another team. I don't know who that would be. I know everybody's talking about Justin Fields. The only thing about Justin Fields that's better right now is his youth and his legs. He's not a better passer. He does not play the position better than Geno Smith. He does not, and it's not close. He may do it in the future, but I I don't – the only level of excitement around him is just, again, his youth and the potential that exists there. I'm sorry, who? Justin Fields. Oh, Fields, People people talk about go out and get him because the Bears are going to go with the – they're going to take Caleb Williams with that number one pick, so Fields is going to be there. I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's a young guy, and there's some untapped potential, but he's sort of being talked about like he's a no-brainer. He's decidedly better than Geno, and – the numbers tell you a completely different story. I just think people get very out of touch with like the rest of the NFL um, when it comes to quarterback because you just think, okay, yeah, he's he's terrible. He you can't go anywhere with him. But there are people in Dallas that think that Dak Prescott is not the guy, and he's oh, yeah. he's your number three passer in the league, forty five hundred and sixteen yards as far as just you know yardage. Guy threw thirty six touchdowns and nine interceptions. So, I mean, that's people complain about quarterbacks, and then they're like, yeah, he's just no good. Well, look at the rest of the NFL and just see, for two years now, Geno has made the Pro Bowl. Now, however you feel about that, voting into the Pro Bowl, I mean, look, part of it is the fans, right? And then and then there's some of it, you know, that's 
whether it's coaches or peers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's been, I know he's an alternate this year, but he's been to the Pro Bowl a couple of years. I mean, that's pretty good. You know, if you just look at that standard, and that's actually, that is something, I don't know if it's the same anymore, because now they have, you know, hacky sack and dodgeball and stuff at the at the Pro Bowl. But, <laughs> hacky sack. But that's a great competition. I love that one. That. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's still, you know, you're you're one of the better quarterbacks. And if you look at his numbers, he was right in the middle, pretty much. So, um it's hard to find a really good quarterback is my is my point i mean it's if you get a guy like patrick mahomes you're just blessed yeah but and you um, had a guy for a decade here in russell yeah yeah so and and people didn't appreciate him uh, at at times so yeah there was lots of people oh it was a system and this and that so you know and that's kind of what brock purdy's going through right now the system and now we're talking about we're mincing you know words of like okay that means he's a system quarterback and you have to execute the system and both it's hard to find good quarterbacks so i mean i think that's the other interesting thing could be though whether it's mike mcdonald mike mcdonald likes gino uh, mm-hmm. From what we've heard, anyway, what we heard at the press conference is that he went over and talked to Gino before the game, or maybe it was after, and just told him how much he admired him and thought, you know, he's a good. But you never. What if Chip Kelly comes in and he's like, "I'm a Drew Lock guy. We we're gonna go with him." And I just curious how much. What did he make last year? Like seven million, or was it? I thought it was like four. Or five, I'll have four? to look. Yeah. Look so I mean, I wonder if you were like really obsessed with him and you come in and go okay john this is the guy i want to be the starter and you know how much are we going to pay him i wouldn't i can't imagine it would be that much drew lock yeah it'd be less than what gino's making right absolutely. now. absolutely absolutely it would be so i don't know we'll, we'll see as far as that goes but i just think people are taking the whole evaluation of gino again you know and i, I know that some of it was what cd lamb's mom that was complaining about dak prescott yeah uh but there's lots of there's lots of detractors for for a guy like Dak Prescott and he put up amazing numbers. He was a 69 and a half percent passer, 4500 yards. Uh, you know, I mentioned the 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions, single digit interceptions. When you're in the top 10 as far as yards is remarkable. So you know that's just the way people look at quarterback. Gino is a good quarterback, no, no question about it, but. Is he great? Is he one of the the top? Like I said, the guys that get, you know, uh, whether it's you could say Brock Purdy, uh, a Patrick Mahomes, a Dak Prescott. I mean, they're blessed. Mm-hmm. They're blessed to get those. It, there's only a few of them. So I don't know. It just whenever I hear the Geno criticism, I just think it it's often very overblown. It's the one position. Other than offensive line, I would say, where people don't really understand exactly, you know, what they're looking at. I mean, I think quarterbacks always touching the ball and everything, so it's it's measurable. Yeah, it's the most recognizable player on the team, sure. generally. No question. So, um, but I, I think it's also the most over scrutinized, and you know, and the reason why I mention offensive line just because a lot of people don't know exactly what the assignment is, right? And what whether a guy made a mistake or not, but. There's just so much scrutiny at that position. But that's what, you know, look, that's what the NFL is all about. I mean, they've, they've made rules and fines and things like that to to uh, to punish people for, for hurting the quarterbacks. So yeah, that's just, that's just kind of how it goes. But for Geno, he's given you great flexibility, I think, as far as your salary cap goes. Yeah. And he's a good, he's a better quarterback than what he's getting paid and the amount of salary cap that he's taking up. 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, it was four million for Drew last year. Wow. Um, three, and we'll move on to some of these other conversations. But three six zero. It's time to stop blaming the defense. They were on the field two thirds of the season due to Smith not being able to convert third downs. Listen, the the defense had their own problems. If you were being objective and you watched that that defense throughout the season, they couldn't tackle. Their tackling was horrific. That didn't have anything to do with fatigue. That was happening early in the games. That was happening on first drives of games. So I don't I don't know what you're watching when you talk about blaming the defense unfairly. Did they say they were fatigued? Well, implying it, saying they were yeah. on the field two-thirds of the season. Okay, but when you're on the field and you're jogging, you don't get very tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just a blanket statement. Uh, I was so frustrated by the defense. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can look at it and, and feel like, well, it's not really their fault. It's the, I'm not saying the offense was perfect. I'm not saying Geno's perfect by any stretch. But he's. I think he's good. I think he's he's fine for now. I think he's your guy that you don't. I don't feel like he's a liability. I don't feel like he's elite. I think there's there's space in between those two things. And right now he's you're in a great position, as you just said, with the salary cap. He's not being paid stupid money that's that's inhibiting you or, or keeping you from signing other players. You know, it's it's a matter of them spending wisely on the guys that they do bring in. But he it's not going to be if they don't get the guy that they need. It's not going to be because, well, Gino's being paid too much. Right. And then I feel like it's just, if you want to go to Drew Locke, you're going to take a big cap hit for Gino. So that may, that savings may be negated in a big way. And then the play on the field, I don't know what to expect out of Drew Locke. I don't, I don't know that he's an upgrade. I don't know that he's more accurate. I know he's more athletic. We know that. I think that much has been obvious, but outside of that, what can you count on from him? Have you seen enough to count on? Well, he does this great. He's going to be great at this. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, and I'm looking at the top quarterbacks. There's three quarterbacks that had less interceptions than him. And I mentioned how much I value that. Um, C.J. Stroud, amazing rookie year, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. So just to get into the the details there, it he didn't make a ton of mistakes. And, yeah, uh, to me, I, I don't – I think they can get the run game going. That'll really help Geno, and that's something that helps every quarterback. You know, yeah. uh, every quarterback, whether you're Brock Purdy or Patrick Mahomes. But um, yeah, I just I think that there's there's a little bit too much scrutiny. I think we've got my my point would be we have a really good deal going with Geno Smith mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, uh, this from Bump and Stacy yesterday talking about two big roster decisions as they see it facing the Seahawks. In this moment, you are John Schneider, and you, Bump, need to decide whether or not you want to keep Gino as your starter. You have uh, a really solid 2022 season uh, with some struggles at the end, an up and down 2023 season with a Pro Bowl appearance in both seasons. You're heading into this one, paying him significantly more, 31 million against the cap, than his 10 million in 2022. Do you keep him? I'm signing them. I'm keeping them. You still want to give the people something to believe in, and you want to support your offensive coordinator as much as you can. So I look at Gino, and I go, that's a perfect way to do it. You're not starting with a rookie. Next big decision. This one's especially interesting. What do you do with Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams, not set to become a free agent. He is under contract for you, so you need to either trade or release him. This is on Mike McDonald. This is on how he imagines that Jamal fits into this defense. If you look at what he did with Baltimore, there were plenty of times we had three safeties out there. He used to walk Kyle Hamilton into the into the box, and he'll be that, that extra run guy. That's Jamal's game, but does Mike think that he has that left in the tank? Also, 
How's his recovery going? Mm-hmm. What's the communication like with Jamal and his team? And can you get eyes on him and watch him move and, and see what you want to do with them? Because I think that if used correctly and if he is healthy, he can help this football team. But it's all on how Mike and, and Leslie Frazier kind of view this guy and John Schneider as well. I think everybody views Jamal Adams in the NFL um, the same when he's healthy. Right. I think everybody sees what kind of a spectacular player he is. I just I just wrote down three words. Is he healthy? Uh, yeah. that, that's the only thing that I am curious about. I know he can play. And I know that he really can play, especially if you put him in the right position. And I feel like Mike McDonald would just be... He would just that'd be his dream to have a guy like Jamal Adams, who really he's the size of a lot of linebackers right now. You know, when you look around the league, you look at some of these guys, they're in there, you know, 215, 220, 225, and guy can just fly around, make plays, is incredibly instinctive. But if they can't get that, you know, that this from everything I've heard about this injury, it's bad. It's it's to me, it's bad. If you can't slow down, if you can't, and this was something that he would, and what always uh, stands out in my mind was you talking about at the press conference, I didn't see it, but you were describing how he was saying that he has to go to the sidelines and use a stim machine. And I mean, this is just to get him to go out and play the next series. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's he doing the rest of the week? Um, You know, he can't practice and he he, he probably can't do all the lifting and things, but the basic thing that he can't do is he can't stop. He can run, but, you know, you saw him run right past a blitz uh, against Cleveland last year, and it was like he was running too fast. And I remember Bobby saying maybe he should slow down, or it was KJ, say mm-hmm. uh, he should slow down a little bit, but I think that's what the problem is. He, he starts running. He can't stop because his thigh, it's it's bothering him too much, and it's a pretty serious injury, and they can't figure it out. The the uh, the doctors nowadays are wizards. That I mean, what they're able to do and you know get an ACL like with uh, Jordan Brooks, and then have him what six, seven, eight months later ready to play. I mean, it's yeah. it's amazing. But they can't they can't figure this one out. Otherwise, they would because he's an incredible asset to your defense. So yeah, to me, it's I don't even hearing the speculation on whether or not he can play. To me, is just ridiculous. It's he can play. He is a he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Mm-hmm. It's just that if he's not healthy, then and I always said this: you you can't go out there eighty percent or seventy five percent or whatever. It's like it's either a go or a no go. Can you play? Yeah, and, and, and he can't. Maybe this time off will allow it to heal properly. I mean, maybe that was soon to get out there based on the severity of that injury. So, I hope so. So maybe this time off and he's going to come back that much better. We'll find out. But it is punitive if you are to release him. Now, Bumps at $31 million. I'm looking at Spotrack, and they've got it at $26.9 million. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but it's a few million. I don't, I don't know what the correct number is in terms of cap hit. Um, so he's – but – it's going to hit you. The dead cap number, according to Spotrack, is just under $21 million, the dead cap. So it's pretty punitive if you just go, nah, he doesn't fit. We're going to release him. If they can find a way to make him work, and as he talked about what they did out there in Baltimore with you know, walking him up into the box and using him basically as a linebacker, and you've talked about his size, then he maybe he can provide more for what Mike McDonald wants to do on that side of the ball. Maybe he looks at a, at him as a tremendous asset and like, no, I wouldn't use him in cover. I'm going to use him like this. You know, and if if you've got to find a way to make it work because you can't take that kind of dead cap hit, all right, 
hopefully he's hopefully this time off will you know get that leg that much better and maybe he will be closer to you know physically 100 percent, and then use him in a way that takes advantage of what he does really well well and this at 253 chimes in here wow he'll have 100 million dollars in the bank without playing and i think people they they don't they don't like that part of it um this is this is the nature of the nfl i mean you get hurt I remember Shanahan telling me that, Mike Shanahan, like, yeah, well, you've been hurt. I'm like, yeah, no crap. Uh, you get hurt playing this game. That's just what happens. But, I mean, it, down the road, there was nothing to indicate that he was going to be unhealthy here. Yeah. Nothing uh, What when he played with the Jets. So I, I'm just saying that this guy is the kind of defender that if he's healthy and he's playing like he played when he came here in 2020, you, you pay him as, as much as safeties get paid in the NFL. That's how good he is. All right, there you go. A couple of uh, conversations happening around the station. We do that each week, the best of the rest. Meanwhile, could the Oakland A's really end up back in Oakland instead of Vegas? There are more things that could be pointing to that option. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome back to Wyman and Bob. I'm the uh, responsible host that got back to uh, his, his station on time. Much to the chagrin of Matt Nelson. I was brushing my was teeth, just, Dave. He was just, in, yeah, we, we'd never get in the way of that. <laughs> There's priorities sure. here. Everybody had to go in the sink to wash their hands because of you. Because <laughs> I was hogging the sink. Yeah. It'd been great if, if Matt were the one to bring us back in. Matt gets Hi. so worried. He comes well, in here. He's like, "Welcome back, why, why, Wyman and Bob? Where, where are they? Sports things, uh, sports words, yeah." <laughs> so there's a big game this weekend. <laughs> so football, huh? All right. Yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, we're back. It is Wyman and Bob. <laughs> but uh, this this A story, we touched a bit on this yesterday, Dave. And, and we talked about the mayor of Las Vegas basically saying, yeah, they need to figure out a way to make it work in Oakland. Not not the usual courting of a professional franchise. Come to our city. Look at all the great reasons to be here. That's typically how it goes. You you as a city are trying to sell yourself to that billionaire owner that your spot is great for their product. This seems to be the opposite where they're going, you might be better where you're at. You might be better where you're at. Now the there's a teacher's union that is suing to stop Nevada from spending public funds on a new A stadium. So they've got a lawsuit going for, you know, saying, hey, instead of uh, giving this billionaire 300 and I think 85 million was going to be their portion. Mm-hmm. How about we spend on education out here? We, we got short educational shortfalls out here that are being ignored, but we're going to give this money to a team to, to, you know, come to our city and build a brand new stadium. And this guy's a billionaire. So they, they have that going on. And then apparently our sister station out there, uh, Sacktown Sports, heard a wild theory about something that could potentially happen to the A's from 2025 through 2028 because their lease at the Coliseum ends after this season. After the 2024 season, their lease is up at the Coliseum. And the Vegas stadium is was scheduled to be ready in 2028. So there's a gap there. Where are they going to play? Uh, so they they had, I apparently heard some wild speculation about what could happen. Bay Area source told me that there is something being floated around. So after that 2025 season for the A's, nobody knows what's going to happen. Are you ready for this, Chris? That person told me that there is an idea being floated around 
that between 2025 and 2028, the A's would not exist as a franchise. I'm sorry. So like basically, completely... so between 2025 and 2028, Major League Baseball would run with 29 teams. And when 2028 comes around, they would basically do an expansion draft. That idea is also being floated. It's almost around. disbanding the A's as a franchise for three years. altogether. For three years. Those players would be able to sign with other teams. I don't know. The minor league, if, if you're worth anything in the minor league, somebody comes and finds you. If not, thank you for your service. And then wow. we refresh everything in 2028 in Vegas. I don't know about that. That is, I'm going to say that's a lot of hogwash. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> We're just going to disband why he was, the Oakland A's. That's why he was screaming it in the beginning. <laughs> uh, come on. Really? I mean, Major League Baseball would would let that happen? I don't see that happening. No I, I, I mean... I suppose anything is possible, but that sounds absurd. We're gonna, you're just gonna cease to exist for three. And he said through 25. The story I read yesterday said they have at least through the 24 season at the Coliseum. But either way, there's gonna be a number of years between the end of the lease at the Coliseum and their supposed new home in Vegas. And that that question is yet to be answered as to where they were gonna play. But the idea that w- instead of finding an alternate site. You'll just cease to exist, and all of you players on this roster, good luck to you. Hopefully other teams want you. Yeah. I don't see that. Ha- I don't see the players' union <laughs> sitting well with that. I don't see Major League Baseball. It's a it's a horrible look. Uh, maybe they would force Fisher to sell the team. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would That would be would nice. Happen. Yeah, I, for the players and the fans. I hope it stays in Oakland. I hope all of this ultimately results in them remaining in Oakland and somehow figuring out a deal. And, and the local you know, I don't know, the mayor, the local government in Oakland had said, you know, we've made these proposals for a new building and we want them to stay. So you've got your local government where you currently exist that wants you to stay there. You've got the place you want to go that doesn't really seem to want you there. They don't right. seem that excited about your presence at all. <laughs> so. Well, and it's, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, doesn't that eventually bring in more money? I mean, I know they're putting some money up front to get the, the stadium built, but isn't it in the long haul that you're going to get more commerce in in Vegas and more tax dollars and, and things like that, that it'll even out at some point? Or maybe it's just that uh, Las Vegas just doesn't need any more money well, coming in there. that's what I was just going to say is it's, it's already a destination. Yeah. And now they've got the Raiders there. They've got the Sphere there. They've got all they've got every reason for everybody else around the country to look at that and go, Let's go to let's, let's go on go vacation. Vegas. We're either going to go catch a concert, we're going to catch a show, we're going to catch a, a Vegas Raiders game. Create I mean, lots of taxes. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the idea that the you know the NFL is going to rig the season in order to make more money. I'm like, they already have billions upon billions upon billions being generated every year. Right. They kind of don't need to risk it all by you know scripting a season as some maniacs out there think, uh, but. It's, and that's kind of where Vegas is. Like, we don't really need the A's. We don't. We're not. We're not hurting for tourists to, to to visit our city. We're not. It's already been a destination for decades and decades and decades, and it right. continues just to grow. So the idea that they need the A's on any level, I think that's being made clear. They don't need the A's. <laughs> Could the Oakland A's get any lower right now? I mean, no. <laughs> there's a team, there's a, a city, and they don't want them there. They don't want them there. Uh, it's just that's like got to be the low point 
for for the A's. And I, I don't know what the criteria is for you mentioned earlier about a forced sale. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like if this was the NFL, they would have either done something about this franchise or they would have possibly. I mean, look, they did it with, uh, you know, with the commanders, basically. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what what it is that you have, you know, have to do to get kicked out. But um, <laughs> you can no longer own this team. Yeah. I'd, well, ask Morosi. Luckily, we got Morosi with us today at five. But. The idea that they would just see it. We'll play that soundbite for him and see see his response. And I went back. I looked at that article from yesterday, and it says that the uh, that the da, 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 where to, Fisher, who's the owner, his plan to finish the park in time for the 2028 season and leave the cavernous and worn-out Coliseum in Oakland, the fifth oldest stadium in major leagues after the team's lease runs out following the 2024 season. So according to this ESPN article, this coming season is it. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. The the guy in, in our soundbite said 2025, but we'll, we'll find out what, what which is true there. But either way, there was going to be a gap, whether it was at the end of 24 or, as he said, the end of 25, between that and the stadium being done. And the idea that you would just disband a franchise, just, all right, everybody's a free agent, good luck to you, and then what, in 2028, the Las Vegas A's would be reborn and they would be – uh, an expansion draft that, that's that i'm sorry I, I just can't buy into that it just seems to me having been to that stadium a number of times and maybe we should take like a field trip the three of us go down there and catch a weekend of games <laughs> with the a's and just i heard you know, there are a lot of good seats available <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah i mean you just walk around and i just remember playing there this was what 2016 i think what was chris carson's rookie year i think it was somewhere around there I went down there to do a preseason game and went into the locker room and everything. And I've told the story before, but it was just, it was the exact, that's the last place I played Mm -hmm. in 1995. My very last NFL game was in that crap hole. And, and it was, it was exactly the same in 2016, the, the locker room, like the wall to wall carpeting and just everything. I mean, I feel like just you could improve just a few things to make it at least like on par with the rest of major league baseball. You're not asking for glamor or anything like that, but just at least do the locker rooms and and do, you know, some of the things around that stadium and the fact that the owner just is so cheap that he won't he won't do anything including, you know, and we remember we heard the story about the guys in the minor leagues that had to eat like a a lettuce sandwich, lettuce like a, and cheese, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like uh, the the film cheese. What is that? American, I guess. And oh, like the craft singles. Yeah, it was <laughs> like that on a piece of two pieces of white bread and a Jeez. and a little wilted piece of lettuce. So I mean, just from I, I just feel like that that is it's sort of coming to a head with the A's that at yeah. some point Major League Baseball has to do something about that franchise. Well, we'll we'll talk to John Morosi at five o'clock, get some clarity on this uh, if he's got any on his end. But yeah, what a disaster. Meanwhile, what if the Seahawks had drafted a defensive player at number twenty this past season? It is what if Wednesday. We'll do that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. What? 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 It's time for What If Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the scripts of major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an alternative reality with Wyman and Bob. 
It is What If Wednesday, presented by Mazda of Everett, where we play the hypothetical in honor of the late, great John Clayton. We used to do it at this time because we had talked to him at 4 o'clock. And as we tell you, he just absolutely refused to ever engage in hypotheticals. Just wouldn't do it. So we would do it right before him. What if this happened, John? Well, that would never happen. (laughs) I had that as an argument one time. That would never happen. Yeah, I was like, well, what about, and it was a legitimate concern. It had to do with uh, maternity leave. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in this case, it was paternity leave. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if it was, um, you know, Felix Hernandez and it's game seven and his wife's having having a baby and, you know, what what do you do then? That would never happen. Like, that's the most unintelligent response I've ever heard in my life. That wasn't John you were having that conversation Oh, with. no. Yeah. No. Yeah, John. John would give that response. It was somebody but it we was, work with, but, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, uh, really? Yes. Yeah. yeah, John. I I love it. I love that he would just. Well, no, that that wouldn't happen. I know, John. But hypothetically, let's just say it did. Well, it wouldn't though. <laughs> just he just wouldn't engage. Just yeah. all right. Let's just leave it there. I've seen John actually. I, I saw John. Uh, walk away a couple of times in arguments like that oh really yeah it was me and mr (laughs) nordstrom john nordstrom and we were talking about somebody that he didn't like and uh he just like turned and walked away i was like all righty then that's good love love the professor i miss that guy miss him miss him uh but anyway today's hypothetical what if wednesday what if the seahawks had drafted a defensive player at number 20, where they took JSN. And we did, and this is kind of in light of the the article, the, the redraft that ESPN put out. You can check it out at ESPN.com. But they did a redraft, you know, of every every position in the draft. And at number five, they had the Seahawks still taking Devin Witherspoon. At 20, they had them taking your guy from the Rams. Uh, I'm blanking Kobe on Turner? Name. Yeah, Kobe Turner, yeah. Interior defensive lineman. So Why is he my guy? Because you, you were the one that sort of pointed out that, this guy's having a heck of a year. Yeah. Like when I think when we were getting set to face the Rams. So it was a shock to me at that time. Well, he's not a big name. He's not, no. he wasn't garnering a lot of headlines. So it was kind of, you know, a fairly obscure name in the way of being mentioned a bunch. I'm sure he is down there, but up here, yeah. you're like, wait, who? Yeah, you didn't hear, like, when we talked to uh, the Rams reporters, nobody was like, oh, man, this rookie, Kobe Turner. He yeah. ended up with nine sacks. Yeah. So, Nine sacks. So what if they had gone, maybe it wasn't him, maybe just another defensive player at 20. Would it have mattered, considering what we saw from this defense, would one other rookie, unless they were playing at the level of Devin Witherspoon, which I don't no. know that you could expect that at 20, and I didn't really expect it at five, to be honest. I thought it'd be a much slower build. But would would it have had a dramatic impact in a positive way, in your opinion, on what we saw from the defense? No. The end. I'm sorry. <laughs> there were so many things wrong. I I was so crabby at the end of the year. Like, I was apologizing during the broadcast. Like, I, I'm in a bad mood right now. They're putting me in a bad mood. I, yeah, there, no. There, there's no way that that would – I mean, look, you, you'd love to have him, and he's running in a different defense. But I do want to say I think he got a lot of his sacks from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he does have Aaron Donald, who's taking yeah. up all that attention and – so that's yep. certainly helpful. And you you said you didn't think in this defense he would have been able to do what he did there. No, I. Well, look, I mean, I don't want to entirely, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that he got all those sacks because of a system or something. I mean, he obviously he's a good player. I just I just don't think it would have helped the Seahawks defense. They were broken beyond repair. I mean, it was it's been a couple of years now where guys just didn't know what they were supposed to do. 
you know, you had for for two years running, you had guys looking at each other like, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. You know, hands up in the air. It was, yeah, there was just too much confusion. I I think, you know, you'd be more likely to have a, a much better season on defense if you had somebody else installing the defense no no offense to Clint Hurt Clint Hurt's great he's a great coach he really is and I think he's going to learn something from this Clint is still a really young guy yeah you know and so and I I love him I I just think he's just one of my favorite guys to interact with and everything so I always kind of soften it a little bit just because but I just thought it was yeah there was there was too much going on where guys just didn't know what they were doing and so you know I made a big deal over the the weekend and you know yesterday and the day before that actually about how the Niners were talking about play number 4 and play number 27. That was so despicable to them that you know that and when I went and looked at the plays other than Chase Young, Chase Young's was really remarkably bad and it was on the 15-yard Jameer Gibbs uh, touchdown that the Lions scored on them. Um, but if you looked at the other one, it looked like business as usual with the Seahawk defense. You know, just guys, there were a few guys jogging, and there just wasn't a whole lot of effort. So it stood out for the 49ers, like, what the heck was that? Versus the Seahawks, like, oh, yeah, that's how we do it. It's just regular play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than Chase Young. Um, and, you know, if you looked at a lot of that, and look, I don't blame the players necessarily. I think they're going to get whipped into shape, you know, if they have a defense, and I expect to hear this. Uh, during camp is like, oh, man, this is just a defense that just allows you. And it's not a magic bullet, okay? It's not like he's reinventing the wheel. It's just the way that he teaches it and the way he you process it as you take it in. And a lot of it has to do with you hear a lot about install, about how they're – you know, putting their their defense in, you start with like the most basic thing, and that's what um, that's what we heard from Mike McDonald. He goes, "This this is a defense that it has elements that you can master," which I thought was was really cool to hear that. That like everybody kind of goes through the same process, and it's like you're going to get this part down. Then we're going to layer more complicated things on top of it, and you know that. So that to me is going to be if you'd have said if Mike McDonald was running this uh, this defense last year, would there have been a tangible improvement? I would have said absolutely, yes. So, so yeah, it wasn't I, lack of talent. It was it was I, about how the talent was being utilized yeah, or not I, being utilized. Right, and and I think that yeah, you could. I feel like you could have put. I mean, and they did have some really good. I mean, Boye Mafe is a really good player. Jaron Reed, however you feel about him, he had almost like a Pro Bowl type of year, mm-hmm. having seven sacks from the inside. He blocked a kick, um, a field goal. Um, you know, he's he was he was all over the field. And then, you know, you look at what you get from Big Cat and, you know, what Jordan, when he is healthy, Julian Love, um, you know, Witherspoon. I mean, for that amount of talent, I think they underperformed pretty significantly. So, yeah, to me it's more it was much more about the system than an individual player. Uh, um, also, you know, then the other thing is you wouldn't have JSN and mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba. He had, you know, I know Tank Dell was part of that uh, redraft yeah. that we talked about in the first segment. But, you know, he uh, JSN had pretty close numbers to Tank Dell. Mm-hmm. Now, Tank Dell was drafted later and all that. So you could say he's more of a steal. But JSN had had some good numbers that he put. He was around six, seven hundred yards in receptions. His his target to catch uh, ratio wasn't great. It was like sixty seven percent. But he's a rookie 
that, remember, had to have surgery at the beginning of the year on his wrist. Yeah. And it kept him out like four days or something. So, I, I don't know. This kid's he, he's very valuable. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have JSN. Yeah, I, I don't – there's no regret attached to that pick at all for me. I mean, I get it looking at – you know, the redraft is always easy. That's the Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. You look at, well, we took this guy, but look at this guy was available. Look what he did. That's it's very easy to do. But right. JSN had a pretty representative season. I don't think he was absolutely off the charts brilliant, but he was he was a good, solid guy, made some fantastic catches, uh, and gives you no reason to be anything but excited about what he's gonna be moving forward. So yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'm happy with him and and look forward to what he turns into. It, it takes a special type of eye to identify talent like JSN. That's what well, I heard. Not I everybody. Think you and I have that. It's not a lot of people do, Dave. Yeah. But you got to know ball at the same time. <laughs> All right, coming up, uh, there are still some big names looming on the Major League Baseball free agent market, and one of them could be could be an option for the Mariners. We're going to get into that next. It is Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.